0: Welcome to Creating Smarter Spaces, where every episode you'll learn about another aspect of the intersection between technology, innovation, and the built environment. Produced for corporate real estate, facilities management, and workplace technology executives just like you, this podcast will make sure you stay ahead on the ever-evolving journey to creating smarter spaces. In this episode. I'm going to talk about two companies that I think have been doing great things when it comes to using technologies to improve experiences of people in physical space. But more interestingly, what we can learn from them when things go wrong. These two companies are Disney and Marriott. But most importantly, I'm going to share what we can learn from these situations and how you can avoid some of the same issues occurring in the smarter spaces you create and operate. I'm your host, Michael Priscilla, and this is Creating Smarter Spaces. So let's dig in. Back in episode 5, I talked about guest experience and how there's a lot we can learn from the hospitality industry, who have built an entire industry on making us feel welcome. Well, as Murphy's Law would have it, just two days after that episode went live, I checked into a Marriott hotel in New York City and my experience fell flat on its face. So in this episode, I wanna go into this in a little more detail, tell you about what happened and why, because I think it's a great example of the infrastructure challenges we face, as well as the ultimate impact these have on end users and the occupant experience. But before I do, I also wanted to use today's episode to share my recent experience with Disney, and more specifically, Disney Cruise Lines. Disney is world renowned for being an experience led organization. I don't know many, if any, other organizations around the world that you could point to that put experience of their guests at the center of what they do and how they operate more than Disney does. And when it comes to technology and experience, they have always pushed the needle in all aspects of their operations to embrace technology to enhance the experience of their guests. And for this, as both a surveyor of the industry and as a guest of theirs, I've always applauded them. But today, I wanted to use my most recent experience to highlight what happens when things don't go so well. And I'm not gonna talk about the cool pre-registration apps, the apps they have to organize all the things you wanna do when you go on a trip with them, or the industry innovation that is Magic Band. no. Today, I'm going to talk to you about laundry. Yes, that's right, laundry. Over the past few weeks, I've had the privilege to take the inaugural Disney cruise from Honolulu, Hawaii to my home country of Australia. It's a 14 day journey across the Pacific Ocean, and if you're an ocean lover like myself, it's a bucket list experience for sure. But when you're on a 14 day cruise with two kids under 12, with free access to all the buffet and ice cream they can get their hands on, you end up with a lot of dirty clothes. The Disney cruise ships are great and they have self-service laundries and they also have a payment and operations of these connected to your key to the world card, which is essentially your access card you use across the ship to enter your room, pay for drinks and collect your kids from the kids club. They've nailed the digital access ID challenge that many of us face in our workplaces and have also embedded it into the Disney magic band which you can purchase and use across all of their properties and even use it for ID when you're getting on and off the ship ports all around the world. Well, all the washers and dryers in the laundry on the cruise are also connected to the Key to the World card. And there's even a connected platform that tells you via a display in each of the laundromats how many washers and dryers are available in both the laundry you're in now, but also in the other areas of the ship. This is amazing. There's also a Disney Cruise Line app that lets you use while you're on the ship to communicate via text with different services, like the childcare facility, as well as others you might be cruising with. Again, simply amazing. Now, for anyone that's ever used a shared laundry service, what's the biggest frustration with them, especially if the number of units in the laundry are limited? What is it? Availability. And it's not just availability, But people putting loads of laundry in, cycles being finished, and now the clean or dry clothes just sitting there waiting for someone to come and remove them, making that unit unavailable to anyone else. Sounds like something we've talked about before on this podcast, right? An asset that others want to use, not actively in use, but being out of commission because someone else is camping in it? Anyway, Disney has solved this issue. Their laundry platform is also connected to the app. So when you turn on the laundry load you get an app alert to tell you that it's on and when the cycle is done it sends you another one to tell you it's completed. This is an awesome experience. It helps things keep moving and makes active utilization of the washers and dryers improve. Except on the trip that I just took the other week, all of this fell apart. While the system was working great to tell me I'd put a load of washing on, the alerting function that would usually tell me the load had ended, which is the most important piece of the experience, wasn't working. I really didn't need to know when the cycle started. I already knew this cause I was there. I pushed the button. I turned it on. Part I really needed to know was when it was done so I could come back and move on to the next part of the process and free up the resource for the next person. That's the bit that wasn't working. Not only was it not working, none of the guests were informed that it wasn't working. So people that are seasoned cruisers who had grown accustomed to this functionality had their clothes sitting in washers and dryers for far longer than they needed because they were waiting for the alert. This might seem like a minor issue, but from an experience perspective, it wasn't great. And not only that, Disney probably lost 30% of the revenue through the laundry because of it. My point of the story here is this. As we build these great experiences, enabled by technology to make processes more efficient, we need to ensure we put in place the rigor and support behind their operations. The more people rely on technology, the more we need to ensure their operations and support are robust. And when they fail, we need to know how to either rectify them rapidly or communicate temporary workarounds to our people, in this case, to the guests. There's a great comedy sketch that's a few years old now about how people would get so aggravated when Wi-Fi and planes stop working and how we'd get so frustrated that things that we didn't even know that were possible or even existed just 12, 18 months ago or even a few weeks before don't work 100% reliable. The sketch is so funny because it's 100% true, especially if the thing that's not working provides us with conveniences that make our lives easier. This is a perfect example. If there's anyone from Disney listening to the podcast today, I wanted to reiterate, I love what you've done integrating the physical and digital pace of the app. But I do have a few feature enhancements I'd love to see. Let me see the availability and the status of the washers of the dryers across the whole ship in the app, not just in the kiosk. I shouldn't have to go to the laundry to see this, and this shouldn't be too hard to do. Also, give me some expected and then real-time occupancy of the theatres so I can tell if a certain movie is showing, is it going to be packed or not, or whether I might want to choose to go to a showing later in the cruise. But all these are minor, and just show that with smarter spaces, once we have the tools and systems in place, interconnected, there's so much value we can bring in both experience and operations. Now, all this aside, my trip across the Pacific Ocean was great. We met some amazing people. My kids made some new friends and I got to spend some extended time and long overdue time with my wife and kids, my parents and my sister's family. It really was a bucket list trip and if you love the ocean, I can't recommend it highly enough. Dirty laundry aside. Before we continue, I want to take a minute to thank all of you that have taken a few extra minutes to leave a review about the show. I'm really happy to see the content is resonating with so many of you. Podcasting is an interesting medium. As the host of a solo show, as they call this, it's easy to feel like you're sitting here in a padded room talking into a void, not really knowing if the message is hitting the mark or not. The star ratings and even better, the short written reviews help me know what you like and enable others to discover this show as well. So if you haven't had the chance to leave one yet, I'd love for you to do so. The simplest way is to visit the website at smarterspaces.live reviews, and hit the rate the show button. Or you can do it right here in the app you're using to listen to me right now. It really is that simple. Thanks a million, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Now, back to the episode. Now, back to my married experience. So the day before I flew home to come and pick my family up and head out on our epic cruise, I checked into a Marriott hotel in New York City. As usual, I selected the mobile credential from the Bonvoy app, and an hour or so before I arrived, I received a notification that everything was good and my mobile key had been granted and activated. So on arrival at the property, I bypassed reception, which was great, as there was a line and took what is a bit of an unusually long walk from the lobby to the elevator. I got in with my luggage and was presented with a fairly common swipe your room key and select your floor sign. So I got my phone out, enabled the mobile room key in the Bonvoy app put it up against the reader, pressed my floor, and nothing. I tried a few more times just to be certain, but I was pretty sure I knew what was going on here. So I pressed the door open button, dragged my luggage all the way back to the front desk, lined up in the line, and spoke to the friendly desk agent who told me, Ah, yes, sir, you can't use the mobile key in the elevator. Right now, I'm a little bit lost for words. I politely asked the guy, um, just for my own curiosity, why can't I use it? To which he, w- he told me, sir, it's for security. Now, this makes zero sense, but it was late and I resigned myself to asking the kind agent for a room key-, uh, room key card so I could use it in the elevator and get to my room. This is clearly a huge miss on experience, but illustrates the many challenges we face at building integrated experiences in spaces that have so many siloed systems and in many cases, legacy systems at play. Building systems deployed and likely owned by the landlord clearly were not compatible with the systems deployed by the hotel. And instead of not making the digital badge available at this location, they've left it on knowing full well there is going to be a high number of people who choose to use it there that won't actually be able to do so. Does this type of complexity mean we should stop and give up on building integrated experiences? By no means, but it does illustrate that as we're working through the kinks in any development or any deployment, we need to keep the end user experience at the forefront of our mind and make sure that when we put something out there that it works, it's reliable, it's scalable, and people can be confident in changing the old default behaviors to rely on these platforms to change the way they behave. This is no different than deploying traffic lights at an intersection. Could you imagine if the first set of traffic lights were deployed and they only worked some of the time or were not correctly in sync and you would randomly send traffic crashing into each other? Very quickly, people would lose their faith in the system and just revert back to the way they used to drive. Pretty much like we do today when we hit an intersection that's flashing yellow. This is the same scenario I spoke about in the bonus episode in May on meeting room panels and the imperative role they play in driving confidence and adoption of room booking platforms. If you haven't listened to it yet, there's a link in the show notes. Bottom line in both of these scenarios with Disney and Marriott, if we're going to put technology solutions to make people's lives easier, we need to be sure to monitor them. Especially if they're there to simplify people's lives and there's an alternate process they can easily revert to if it fails. While it may feel nice to have this safety net in your deployment, it's also a surefire way to keep deployment numbers low if you lean on it as a crutch. And nine times out of 10, if this is the case and things do fail, people aren't gonna go out of their way to tell you about it. So in the case of Disney, they should have been monitoring for transmission of both start and end alerts and seen way more starts and stops. And in the case of Marriott, I'm pretty sure this property would find that the adoption and use of the app to open doors in any floor that wasn't on the ground would be significantly lower than any other, if not totally at zero. Creating great processes and automating them with technology is one thing, but like any type of customer service, we need to make sure we monitor that it's delivering on it consistently. The great thing when it comes to smart spaces and the use of technology, we have the data on what people are doing and not doing, and so identifying gaps isn't difficult. But unfortunately, too often when solutions like these are deployed, people still fail to think about how to drive continued adoption. They forget about the operational component of ensuring the service that is designed, built, and deployed keeps on delivering the service to the people day in and day out, and can be counted on as a reliable technology solution for them to build their daily tasks around. I continue to love the trail both these companies are blazing when it comes to making spaces, we rest and play smarter. I applaud them for going first, setting a new benchmark for others to follow and lifting the bar on what we can expect from a great experience. But those of you that follow can also learn from where things go wrong and build them into the space you create as well. Have you experienced a great connected consumer experience in your day-to-day life? If so, I'd love to hear about it. Send me a note and let's chat. I've put a link to all the things we've talked about today in the show notes, including the Disney Cruise Across the Pacific Ocean, if you're interested to learn more. And if you haven't already, check the back catalogue of episodes for Smarter Spaces and be sure to follow or subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on what's coming next. This episode was produced with the support of iIDEA, a pioneer in smart workplace technology. iIDEA's innovative devices, including room booking panels and kiosks, are enhancing millions of workspaces globally. Their solutions not only improve space utilization, but also align with ESG goals. With features like on-the-spot room reservations and automatic release of unoccupied spaces, IAD's technology optimizes workplace efficiency and energy use. Chosen by leading enterprises for their open platform flexibility and strong security standards, IAD is recognized by HID Global and approved by Apple for Apple Wallet Access Control. Discover more about their smart workplace solutions at www.iadea.com. So that's a wrap on today's episode. But before we leave today, just a reminder, I make this podcast for you. So if it's something you like and feel others would too, please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice or share it with a colleague or friend. Not sure how to? Not a problem. Just point them to smarterspaces.live/listen and all the options will be available right there. As always, one final disclaimer, all views and opinions I share on this podcast are my own and may not necessarily be those of my employer. I trust you've enjoyed today's topic and I hope you'll tune in for another episode soon. This is where real estate, facilities management and technology converge. This is Creating Smarter Spaces.